Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. I want to speak to us today about a, a subject that I guess we all grapple with. Uh, have you realized that life can be really quite messy? Two people on the front row, the rest of you have got it all together. Seriously, life could be really quite messy. If you've lived more than 10 days, you realize that it's not always neat, uh, that there are seasons that are very, very challenging, that are sometimes full of affliction. Uh, Sometimes there's anguish, it goes beyond affliction. And sometimes that happens for all sorts of reasons. Sometimes that happens because of our own doing, just like Jonah. Could we take responsibility sometimes? Uh, Sometimes that happens, uh, it has nothing to do with our own doing, but it has got to do with the sin and the brokenness of others that live around us. Is that okay as well? Jesus experienced a lot of that. He experienced that there was a lot of stuff that was going on inside people around him that affected him. Sometimes it happens neither because of us nor people around us, but direct assails of the enemy, just like in the book of Job. And sometimes that happens as a concoction of all of those things. But I tell you what, it's coming your way, one way or another. There are seasons in life that will challenge us to the core of our convictions. Everything that you think and believe and hold to be true about God will be tested. And that's why it's really, really important to develop a growing theology around how do I handle blessing and affliction? How do I handle uh, times where, 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 where there's miracles, yet there are messes? How do I handle those things? I need a developing theology because the winds will come, the trials will come. Jesus put it this way, and you're allowed to take notes. In the book of John, chapter 16 and verse 33, he said, In the world you will have tribulation. It's not a might, it's not a maybe. He said, tribulation, you will have tribulation. Look up the word tribulation that Jesus spoke, and that means ordeals. It means anguish. It means pain of a deep level. Now, that doesn't sound like good news. It gets worse. Let me tell you some more. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostle Peter, he's not a soft talk preacher. He speaks it as it is. He speaks the truth. He says, do not consider it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though by some strange thing had happened to you. He's saying to believers, don't think it's strange when you go through not trials, fiery trials like fire in your bones. Can you see why it's actually really, really important for us to have a growing theology around that? Because there isn't anybody under the sound of my voice who's going to bypass this. We're going to have to navigate it. And I want to tell us right at the outset that the expression of the will of God for your life and my life comes into three different types of expressions. The perfect will of God, the prescriptive will of God, and the permissive will of God. 
the perfect will of God has to do with things like heaven and your redemption and my redemption. Beautiful. We love the perfect will of God. Anybody here not love the perfect will of God? Perfect will of God is great. The prescriptive will of God is when God says things like, if you do this, this will happen. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That's prescriptive. That's like a doctor's prescription. He tells you, if you take the medication, this is what happens. It's prescriptive. Again, we don't really have too much of a problem with a prescriptive will of God. Now we come to the permissive will of God. The things that God permits that transcend our thinking, our understanding, that are not according to our timeline, that we grapple with, that we don't understand. And in the permissive will of God, that's where the battle is. That's the space where the enemy wants to push you over. In the permissive will of God, you will hear the whispers of the enemy say things to you like, if the Lord loves you, and he owns the cattle on a thousand hill, and you have been tithing, and you have been faithful, and you are walking with the Lord, why are you bankrupt? In the permissive will of God, the devil will say to you, you have declared Jehovah Rapha a million times, I am the Lord who heals you, yet you and your family have been stricken over and over and over and over and over with infirmity. You have come to this altar a thousand times and you have not been healed. Mm-hmm. In the permissive will of God, there are people here in this place right now where you know that it's God's will, God's gift is peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Yet your experience is nothing but anxiety. And you say, wow, how do I reconcile? How do I reconcile a God of blessing yet affliction? How do I reconcile miracles yet messes? And that's why today I want to speak to us out of the subject matter, marvelous in the mess. Marvelous in the mess. I want to take us to a story that illustrates how marvelous our deliverer, Messiah, Savior is in the messes of our life. I'm going to take us to John chapter 11. Please open up with me. John chapter 11. This is a family. I need us to catch this. That Jesus loved, that loved Jesus. There were no issues whatsoever. On the love page. We're going to read excerpts from this story because it's a bit of a long one. Book of John chapter 11 and starting at verse 1. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary, come on. I need us to underline that. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he went straight away. It doesn't say that, does it? When he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. I'm going to jump to verse 17. When Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Jesus did not even get to the funeral. Mm -hmm. I'm going to jump to verse 20. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now. I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I want to begin our thinking by saying this. You can love the Lord and still have a problem. The Lord could love you to bits. Three times it's written in a passage that we just read that there was an incredible exchange of love. They loved the Lord and the Lord loved them yet they had a significant problem in their home. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes very clear in verse 2, it was that Mary, not just any Mary, it was that Mary who anointed Jesus with fragrant oil and wiped him with the hair. You know what he's saying? He's saying that she was an extravagant, worshiper she was in a whole class of her own she loved the Lord way more than your average churchgoer she loved the Lord not in word and lips but with her whole heart she poured out her life who knows that the Bible says that a woman's hair is her glory she put her glory her entire life at the feet of Jesus And she paid with what cost her, yet she was in crisis. I need us to hear that. Do you know why I need us to hear that? I need us to hear that because some church folk are all phony. Some church folk are all phony as if it's meant to be wonderful all the time. How are you, brother? I'm blessed and highly favoured. You go through no trial, uh, uh, uh. I am the head and not the tail above only and not beneath, I nothing. All phony. And they look at people that are going through some stuff of condemnation. If only they lived by biblical principles. If only they had some faith. If only they prayed. It's because you don't speak in tongues that this is happening to you. Oh, all kinds of things. And there's even a worse, a worse type of phony hypocrite. A worse type of phony hypocrite will imply, well, they're living you scripture. Well, whatever a man sows that he will also reap. You know how it is? You're going through what you're going through because sooner or later your secret sins are going to have to catch up with you. Can I tell you that you can love the Lord with all of your heart, be the sincerest worshipper in the current situation? 
even though it is the center of the will of God, is miserable. If there is anything that the story of Joseph preaches to your face and my face, is that faithfulness does not mean a trouble-free life. We need a proper theology. We need a proper theology when we face some stuff. That's not the way it works. That's not what prosperity looks like. Prosperity has made us. In this age of Christianity, people who have become experts at judging God's love, judging God's involvement by external provision. But it is the furthest thing from the truth. It's made us, you go to a car park, you're about to turn into the car park, somebody else comes into the car park and the Christian is crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Seriously, people post an Instagram post, get under 100 likes, under 100 likes, and they're like, the favour of the Lord has left my life. We have become judges of God's love and involvement in our life, God's care for our life by external provision. Our theology has gone warped. And that's why when we come into difficulties and trials that are guaranteed, we don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to decode it. How am I going to decode trial? How am I going to decode affliction as a Christian? How am I going to decode battles that don't seem to go away? How do I decode it? How do I decode it when life is messy? How do I decode it? I imagine Mary and Martha being challenged by exactly the same thing. I don't know about you, but I take myself into that story. And I think to myself, Mary would have been like, you know what, Jesus? I don't understand this. When we threw a party for you and took up a love offering, when I poured out so much money at your feet and I poured out all of my life at your feet, your presence filled the house. But when I cried out for you for an emergency, you were nowhere to be found. I think she would have been highly distressed. Listen, listen, listen please to this. What do you do when you have a screaming problem and a silent God? I don't know if you've ever been there. You've had a screaming problem, but heaven was made of brass. What do you do? What do you do when it's an emergency? And he doesn't seem to be around. And you're calling on the name of the Lord in whom you trust. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. What do you do? How do you reconcile it? How do you reconcile I'm going to actually take you a little bit further. Is that okay? All right, this is going to get a little bit troublesome. Psalm 139 and verse 5, David says, you have hedged me in before and behind. Do you know what that means? The situation that I'm finding myself in, you have actually made sure that it has no exit. You, not the devil, have made sure that I am hedged in. 
If you don't believe me, have a look at the book of Job, chapter 19 and verse 8. You will find exactly the same thing. Job says to the Lord, you have fenced me in so I cannot get out. You don't believe me? Have a look at the book of Lamentations, chapter 3 and verse 7. Jeremiah says, you have edged me in so that I cannot be released. He says, you have put me in a situation where it's the Red Sea in front of me and the Egyptian army behind me. You put me there. Uh-huh. Are you kidding me? Uh-huh. Serious. Sometimes that's exactly what happens. So let's get to some resolution about this. What am I meant to believe? Am I meant to believe that God's nasty? Uh-uh. What am I meant to believe? Can I just give you one thing? That yes, I have learned it from Scripture. I have, totally. Because that's where all truth comes from. It doesn't come from our own experience. But I've also learned it from my life. I've learned this in my life, and I learn it from every story of Scripture. That every adversity creates advancement. Every adversity, whether through your own doing, whether through the doing of the devil, whether it's through the doing of others, every adversity, God will create an advancement through it. Every adversity... If we talk about the permissive will of God, every, underline every, every, every adversity, as long as you are walking in a lifestyle of repentance, every adversity will create advancement. People of Israel found themselves in slavery and an oppression that was unbelievable. Book of Exodus says this, Exodus chapter 1 and verse 12. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. You see, listen, listen. The enemy meant it for eradication. God permitted it for multiplication. Here's what the enemy meant. The enemy meant to crush their spirit. The enemy meant to put their nose to the ground and to annihilate them. The enemy meant to take the destiny that God had on Israel right off them. It looked like the enemy was winning. But you know what God was doing? See, that's the thing. We live life forward, but then we understand it backward, what God did. You know what God was doing? God was allowing them to become intimate. The more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Do we have anybody under 13 in here today? Anybody here? Good, okay. I'm going to put it to you more plainly. The enemy put them together and God said, great, that's exactly what I want. Now have lots of babies. For real. Do you know why? Because God knew what was going to happen next. He was going to take them through the wilderness and they needed to be much more numerous than what they were. They needed to stand against the Perizzites and the Hevites and the Ammonites and all the other rites that were coming their way. And they needed to be knit together. So the Bible puts it in the politest way imaginable that the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. 
what the enemy thought he was having his way, God was preparing a way. When the enemy was taking adversity to a whole new level, God was preparing advancement to the land of milk and honey. Take it down even to the individual level. I see the Hebrew slave sitting there weeping. I see her crying. Her spirit is crushed. She can't understand. I worship the true Jehovah. I love him. How could my mistress, how could she get me day and night? All I do is clean gold and silver. I'm cleaning gold and silver, and as I'm cleaning my mistress's gold and silver, my heart is broken with oppression because that should be the lot of the people of God, not the lot of the wicked. How, Lord, and she's crying out to God. You know what she didn't know? She didn't know that she was cleaning the gold and silver that God was going to give her. Because the enemy means adversity, but God's creating advancement. If there's one thing I prophesy over every situation, that right now, whatever adversity, the God who is the same yesterday, today and forever, is making a pathway for your advancement in the name of Jesus. Book of Nahum, chapter 1 and verse 3 says that the Lord will have his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. I want to pose a question to you. What if your life is actually not out of control? What if actually it is the very centre of God's will, being the best manager of crisis, knowing exactly what he's doing, as a matter of fact, knowing the very number of hairs on your head. What if the situation that you find yourself in, that you think can't be changed, that the devil has lied so much about, what if the adversity is but a way for God to create advancement in your life? Can I tell you something? Your agony... And your destiny are very close relationship. Every bit of agony. There's something that the Lord said to me years ago that I'll never forget. I was going through a particular season where I felt my heart was shattered in 10,000 pieces. And the Lord said to me something that I now understand. He said to me, every bit of joy and every bit of pain in your life is for the benefit of others. Because that's what the Lord does. The enemy wants to take it one way, but the Lord will take it another way. I want to say to somebody today that the Lord knows how to take the rubbish from your past and fertilize your future. Psalm 92 and verse 12 says that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. I read once up on a palm tree. Do you know that a palm tree is created by God to bend, not to break? And it bends so much that it can actually touch the ground and sit under a hurricane wind for several hours. And when the hurricane wind passes by, it stands upright. And when it stands upright, biologists say that that 
palm tree that has actually gone through the hurricane grows to tower over other palm trees that have never been through the hurricane because the stress on the roots provides it with an opportunity for growth that the other palm trees don't have. Then you marry Psalm 92 verse 12, that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. My friend, please hear me. It feels like God is breaking you. But can I commit to you that God is making you? Can I commit to you that the Lord is not destroying you by all that's coming against you, that the Lord is developing you by all that is coming against you? Can we take it a little bit further? Would you open up with me to the book of Isaiah? Book of Isaiah, chapter 35. 45, my apologies. 45 and verse 3. Lord says, and please keep it up there for a minute. Lord says, I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, the Lord, who call you by your name, am the God of Israel, Let's pause for a second. Did you know that there were treasures found only in darkness? Do you know that if the Lord wants to enrich you and I, we're going to have to go through some dark stuff? Do you know that there is no other way to become enriched in that way unless we get the treasures of darkness? Do you know that unless we go through that stuff, that's why he says, I call you by your name. Why? Because the hardest thing in a season of night is to believe that the Lord is still with me. But that's what the Lord says. He says, I am with you so much that I led you into the darkest place, not so that you could be afraid and not so that you could be destroyed, but so that I can give you treasures. That's why Job said that when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. He didn't say I shall have gold. He said I shall come forth as gold. God is very interested in what you're becoming. Don't worry about what you're having. Worry about what you're becoming. That's why David said in Psalm 119 and verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn to keep your statutes. You know what he was saying? He was saying every troublesome thing that I went through, it was good for me. Who talks like that nowadays? We would say he's a loony that doesn't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what David reflected on? David reflected on this. When, when they lined up all the brothers before Samuel, and he wasn't even named among them because his father had forgotten about him. David reflected on that and he thought, you know what? That was the very day that I learned that even if the most significant people around me forget me, that my heavenly father will never forget me. It was good for me that I was afflicted. It was actually really good. As a matter of fact, it was good for me. That when the call of God came upon my life, I didn't go straight into a palace. It was good for me that I went into a cave. 
Because it was in the cave that you made me a man of prayer. It was in the cave that I realised I don't need an army. I don't need heaps of people around me. I just need God with me. It was in the cave that I learned that I am strongest when I am on my knees. I wasn't going to learn that in a palace. It was good for me that I was afflicted. It was good for me the day that I went out twirling, dancing before the ark of the Lord and the most significant person in my life, namely his wife, mocked him. He said it was good for me. You know why? Because as I think back, that was the very day, Lord, not as a cliche, but that was the very day that I lived and started to live free from the accolades of anyone to the audience of one. It was good for me. It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I may become the man, the woman of God that I am today. And that's where I want to take us. I want to take us to know that the Lord permits, listen to this, the enlarging of our trials only to enlarge us. The only reason you're going through some stuff is because the Lord is enlarging you. Lord is making you bigger and greater. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said of Nelson Mandela that the prison made the man. It wasn't all the other stuff. It was the prison that made the man who he was. God is forging you, my friend. God is forging you through struggle and experiences. Matter of fact, I'm, do you mind if I just go a few more minutes? Because I really need to tell you this. So far, I have implied that every mess in our life has been externally imposed. Let's come to the ones that are self-imposed. What happens when there's a mess in your life that you are the cause of? What does God do with that? Because it seems like only if you're a victim, God is marvelous in the mess. What about if you're not the victim? What about if you messed up? Because the devil's got a lot to say about that. So does God. What happens when the mess is not externally imposed but self-imposed? I'll tell you what happens. As long as there's repentance. Let's not mess around. Nothing's going to happen except the will of Satan if there's no repentance, even if you're a believer. Repentance is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Even if you have caused a mess, a mess, because of indiscretion and bad decision, even if it's been years, it could be intercepted by repentance. Ask Jonah. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. Pastor Moses appointed his brother Aaron as the associate pastor of Israel. Day one of the job, he said to him, here's what I need you to do. I'm going to go upstairs on the mountain to talk to God. I'm going to leave you down here with the people. Now, this is day one of your employment. You are the associate pastor. Do a good job. Aaron says, oh, of course, you, you go ahead. You do what you need to do. Very competent associate pastor. The Bible tells us that as Moses went up 
to the top of the mountain, Aaron got all the people of God to have a naked orgy. You're nervous. It's true. It's in the Bible. And then they decided that they would make a little cow, a calf, a golden calf, and they would decide to worship the golden calf and declare, you have brought us out of Egypt. God upstairs, you think he was unaware of that? Do you know what God is having a conversation with Moses about? God is saying to him, hey, I'm thinking about Aaron's clothes as the high priest. I'm thinking about this is what his breastplate's going to look like. And I am thinking about this is how kind of the golden chain is going to go from the breastplate to the shoulder. I'm thinking about his future sons and how they're going to stand before me. And God is doing this massive download. Okay. Are we saying that God is a minister of sin? Absolutely not. God knew that Aaron would repent. And look what God had pre-prepared. The book of Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, says that every high priest is appointed from men to men for things pertaining to God, but that every high priest must have a heart of compassion on those who are ignorant and those who are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. That means one of the things that qualifies a high priest to be a true representative of the people, to truly represent the heart of God, is he himself must know his own sin and brokenness. God used Aaron's sin to qualify him for his future. I know I've got a nervous church, but it's the Word of God. The Word of God, even if, I'm telling you now, even if you have messed up, repentance will get you right back on schedule. Repentance will turn the adversity into an advancement. Repentance will have a way that, 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 that you know, the years that the swarming locust has eaten shall be restored. Now, let's come to the wisdom of Jesus in the story that we first started with, because it seems like a whole lot of agony. Why, Lord, did you not go? Why, Lord, did you go so late? Why, Lord, did you make sure that he was not only dead, but decayed? Now, open up with me to the book of John, chapter 11, verses 14 and 15. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, go to him. Jesus said, I did not go deliberately so that you could believe. Well, hang on a minute. Didn't they already believe? Yeah, but let, let, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You know what they believed? They believed what they spoke. Here's what they spoke. They said, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. You know what that means? They believed that Jesus could heal, but they had no idea that Jesus could raise the dead. It's that very chapter that he says to them, I am the resurrection and the life, that he who believes in me, even though he dies, he shall live. They never knew that. What am I saying? I'm saying this, please hear this. The Lord sometimes will not do what you want, when you want it, 
or how you want to, because he has an upgrade for you in mind. They only had faith up to a certain level. He was taking them to a whole other level. That's why God doesn't mind your temporary inconvenience for your permanent good. God doesn't mind disrupting your present for the sake of your future. We need to build a theology that God works on an eternity timeline. He's never in a rush. And that's exactly, he had an upgrade in mind. Worship team, please join me because if you don't, I'm going to preach for another hour. Listen to me, please. Isaiah 61 and verse 3 says that he gives beauty for rashes. The oil of joy for mourning. He gives beauty for rashes. You know what that means? You can never be beautiful unless you've been burnt. It's just God's way. If we're going to become men and women of God, we're going to have to be okay with trusting God, not generally, but with the details of our life. If we're going to become men and women of God, we're going to have to be okay that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. If we're going to become men and women of God, we're going to have to be okay with the valley, just like we're okay with the mountaintop. He's the Lord of the valley, just like he's the Lord of the mountaintop. It would be totally remiss of me not to conclude this chapter the way Jesus concluded this chapter. In verse 22, he receives this prayer. Here's what the prayer is. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Can I just say to you that every process has an expiry date? You know your darkest hour? Could only be 60 minutes. Even now, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. When God is finished with the process, there awaits an appointment with divine scheduling, which is called an even now miracle. It doesn't go on forever. When God has finished the process, He brings it to conclusion. This is how the story began in verse 4. This sickness is not unto death. Can I tell you that a promise from God is a scheduled appointment? Heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word that proceeds out of the mouth who the one who created it all. It shall all come to pass. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will surely come. God is not intimidated by the stench of four days decay. God is not a prisoner to the laws of physics. He's not like, oh, we're too late now. God is not subject to natural law. God is not subject to a disgraced past. God is not subject to disease. God is not subject to the opinions of people over your life. He ain't subject to any of that. God gave me one word that I'm just going to read out to you verbatim. Because especially this word, I feel is a word not only for somebody, maybe many. Sometimes God will take away something 
you never expected losing because he wants to give you something you never imagined having. They never imagined this would happen. Not in a million years, but that's what the Lord was up to. That's what the Lord is up to. Lord, I ain't destroying you because you're going through difficulties, my friend. Every miracle, every miracle bring, comes first. Our way is a problem. Problems are often the way that God promotes us and furthers us in His kingdom. Don't just embrace a problem. Embrace the problem solver with faith. Walk knowing that He's Emmanuel, God with you. I'm done. I'm done. But thank you, Jesus, for truth. Thank you, Jesus, for truth. The Word of God is never infotainment. The Word of God, God speaks before He does. Only reason God's brought this Word is because there's so many people that right now you're like a palm tree. You are bent under a hurricane. But the Lord... At the right time, we'll raise you up and in the process is growing you. The Lord loves you. Satan will not have his way. You're in the hands of the one who has made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He who keeps you neither slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Lord's got you, my friend. Lord's got you. Be like Mary. Be like Martha. Just keep worshipping when you don't understand. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.